So today we're talking to Jenny Donahue from First Educational Resources about collective teacher efficacy. Let's get into it right now. Welcome to Professional Learning, the podcast that's all about sparking courageous exploration. Each week we'll be diving into a range of topics to prepare and embed our Book of Dreams work. We'll be exploring the skills and strategies in order to implement these ideas. Jenny, thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Uh, very well indeed, thanks. Very well. It's great to have you connecting with us. Uh, tell us whereabouts in the world you are today. I am coming to you from my home in New Orleans, where my husband and I moved three years ago and we bought a place in the French Quarter. Amazing. Now, I, I've never been to New Orleans before. Just describe to us what the French Quarter is actually like then. Oh, it's a beautiful old historic area with a lot of history, a lot of great restaurants and jazz clubs and a lot of uh, tourists. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. What's the busiest time of year there? Actually, I think it might be right now. The summertime is extremely hot and humid. And so right now we have a bit of relief and I've noticed that there's more people coming into town. Okay. All right. Well, fun times, fun times for sure. But anyway, we're here today to talk about collective teacher efficacy. And I must admit, this is a subject I don't know a great deal about. So I'm, I'm relying on you to educate me and to educate the people who are listening to this right now. So first of all, could you tell us about what collective teacher efficacy actually is? Sure. Collective teacher efficacy is a shared belief that through their joint efforts, educators can produce positive outcomes in schools and that they can increase student achievement despite other factors in students' lives that might pose challenges to their success. So I think what's important to note there is that it's a belief. It's not a program, it's a mindset. It is the way that teachers and school leaders think about their impact and what they do every day. It's not a new concept. And even though the research on collective teacher efficacy dates back several decades, there are still many educators who are unfamiliar with it or unaware of the strength of the evidence that supports its impact. And if you're familiar with John Hattie's visible learning synthesis, collective teacher efficacy is the number one factor that matters most in raising student achievement, according to the visible learning database. Gosh, okay, right. So, so it's not a program or a mindset, but it's a belief. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, and I use the term belief and mindset interchangeably. So um, when we think of a mindset, it's the way we think about the work that we do. And I love um, Megan Shannon Moran's definition of it. She says collective teacher efficacy is the belief that teachers in a given school make an educational difference to their students over and above the educational impact of students' homes and communities. Gosh, okay, right. And how does that actually look then from, from one educational establishment to another? Well, the research, as I said a few minutes ago, dates back four decades. And the research shows that in schools where efficacy is firmly established, there's increased student achievement. And so what does that really look like? Well, it's a mindset that influences how educators think, feel, motivate themselves and behave. And a lot of this comes from the work of educational psychologist, Albert Bandura. He noted that efficacy beliefs influence whether teachers think strategically or erratically or optimistically or with pessimism. In schools where efficacy is developed, educators tend to think more passionately about their work. And a strong sense of efficacy helps teachers become less vulnerable to the discouragement that can overcome 
teams and individuals when taking on tough problems. Uh, efficacy beliefs influence how people are motivated. Um, it helps them to determine how much effort they're going to put into team endeavors along with the goals they'll set. The stronger the efficacy, the higher the goals people will set for themselves and the more firm their commitment to them. And the research shows that a stronger sense of efficacy results in staying power needed when collective efforts fail to produce quick results. Efficacious teams figure out how to make evidence-based approaches work in their unique environments. And I think the ways in which efficacy beliefs influence our thoughts, our feelings, our motivations, our behaviors really help to explain why it makes such a difference in learning and teaching. I see. I see. Okay. So, so tell me a little bit then about how this efficacy, this, this, this belief is different to just a positive culture within a school, for example. Well, you can have a positive culture, but still not believe that, the work that you're doing is going to really impact some of those really hard to reach kids. I might feel a sense of um, camaraderie with my, my colleague, but that doesn't necessarily equate to the belief that what we do every day is going to make a difference. So it is a little bit different, but it is related to culture as well. Okay. All right. So then in a school situation, how is, how, how is it deployed? I'm not sure if that's the right word, but how is it how is it deployed or distributed throughout the school, throughout all of the teaching staff? Well, that's a question a lot of school leaders and teacher leaders have really is what can we do to achieve collective efficacy? Mm. And I think it really starts with supportive school leadership. That really matters. Caring and supportive relationships between school leaders and teachers helps to foster growth. And it's really um, the supportive leader who establishes an environment of trust and respect where teachers feel safe to express their ideas without feeling judged. And supportive leaders acknowledge that teacher well-being really helps to equate to better performance. And so they make teachers' emotional and psycho psychological well-being a priority. Um, they help to buffer teachers from things that distract them from meeting the needs of their students. And a few years ago, John Hattie, myself, and Tim O'Leary, a friend and colleague out in Australia, studied what are the conditions in the environment that, if these things are present, are likely to lead to a greater sense of efficacy. And we identified a few. I'll share a couple of them with you now. If that's oh, yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Um, so one of the things that is related to, or what I like to call as an antecedent to collective efficacy, is when teachers feel empowered. And that, that makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Teacher empowerment, there's a strong and clear relationship between the degree of teacher leadership and collective efficacy in schools. And so what school leaders can do to empower teachers is identify roles and responsibilities for informal and formal leadership and provide opportunities for teachers to fill those roles. To empower teachers, school leaders can make sure that teachers are provided with decision-making power on important issues. And of course, there's a caveat there that we all agree that all the decisions we make are in the best interests of our students, of course. Mm. And to empower teachers, I think school leaders can make sure that teachers have authentic opportunities to shape policy, and and practice in schools. Quick question then on on teacher empowerment. I mean, what what happens if there's a, a school leader who loves the idea of of this collective teacher efficacy, 
but maybe they struggle with empowering teachers because maybe they have a tendency to micromanage a little bit. It may well be that they don't want to be like that, but how could they get that balance between those two things? Yeah, I think that 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 idea too of hierarchy, um, it's it's difficult, I think, if if people feel in a leadership position that they have to have all the answers and mm. that they it's you know that everything rests and the sole responsibility is on their shoulders. I think by distributing some of that leadership, it really helps to, you know, build a culture where problems, uh, it, you know, people are more likely to reveal their problems of practice and engage in joint problem solving. Sometimes I think principals have a hard time letting go of that. But I think if they slowly start to do so, they'll see that it can build a culture of efficacy. Mm-hmm. No, I see. I see. Okay. And you mentioned that teacher empowerment is one of the things that that, that came up with uh, John Hattie and did you say Tom O'Leary, I think you uh, said? Tim O'Leary. Tim O'Leary, forgive me. What what else came out from that then? There was a, another that I'll, I'll share with you here. Um, the research demonstrates that where teachers have more intimate knowledge about what goes on inside each other's classrooms and where they share ideas about what constitutes effective pedagogy, um, you know, what assessment and instructional practices work well for students, that that cohesion um, leads to a greater sense of efficacy. When you think about that, that makes sense as well. And so I think when we think about building that cohesion amongst our teachers, what we find often when we go into schools is this is one of the enabling conditions for collective efficacy that is the lowest in schools because teachers and school leaders will admit that they don't have enough time and that they Mm. don't have enough opportunities to go inside each other's classrooms. Um, But I think it's important to find that time being involved in helping teachers um, address assessment and instructional issues, continuously expose the teaching staff to evidence-based practices, and really encourage teachers to share, whenever possible, the instructional strategies and assessment practices that are resulting in increased student achievement. No, I see. I see. So all of this sounds fantastic. It, it really does. But tell, tell me what the uh, the importance is or, or how important it is to see all of this in action in order to generate real results within the students in, in school. Yeah. So um, there is a wealth of research. And as I said, when you look at the meta-analyses, uh, collective teacher efficacy results in a very high effect size. And I think part of the story is because where efficacy is lacking people tend to give up more easily because they don't believe their efforts will amount to much. And so it is an important um, mindset that leaders can cultivate. And, um, you know, sometimes people ask for a few tips to get started on the journey. Mm. And one that I can suggest is that we build awareness about what it is and why it's important. And so school leaders can do that by sharing the research, and I mean research doesn't convince everyone, by helping their faculty to articulate their own definitions and and help them to understand what it might look like and feel like in a school, what it might sound like when we think of what it sounds like. It really boils down to causal attributions. And sometimes we attribute causes for success and failure to things that are within our realm of influence but often we attribute causes to things that are outside of our realm of influence. Like we can't expect much from this group of students or we didn't do well because 
their parents aren't involved or it's the community where they come from. So being aware of that narrative and making sure that we shape a new narrative in schools where teachers understand the power that they have to really change the trajectory of a student's life through the work and the, their efforts and, and the strategies they, they choose. So I think really building awareness about what it is, why it's important, and what it sounds like and looks like in a school becomes the work moving forward. It strikes me then that it's crucial that the person at the top of the school, like the principal, for example, is, is, a, is such a key figure in ensuring that all of this actually happens. Because if they don't believe in it, if they don't step into this world, then I, I imagine it doesn't matter how much the teachers would like that to happen. It's, it's Realistically, it's not really going to happen, is it? Yeah, I think, well, one of those enabling conditions, I had mentioned cohesive teacher knowledge, and I had mentioned empowered teachers, um, but supportive leadership becomes an important enabling condition as well. That's for sure. Okay, so tell me more then about what schools can be doing to achieve greater collective teacher efficacy. Well, I think it's important to find time for teachers to engage in joint problem solving. When they come together to collaborate, people can collaborate about scheduling book fairs or collecting hot dog money, or they can really come together to engage in collaborative work that's going to really transform teaching and learning. And when it, it, it revolves around them identifying some dilemmas of practice and identifying some student learning needs, uh, coming together to solve those problems of their own dilemmas of practice, through that process, efficacy increases because teachers start to notice the positive outcomes of their own context-generated solutions. And as their internal capacities are recognized and tapped into, they feel a greater sense of empowerment and ownership. And so finding time for people to come together and engage in that kind of joint work becomes critical. I see. So it's kind of like action leading to positive results, which then leads to further action again. Absolutely. And um, as we see the positive results, we build our efficacy. We set higher goals and we put forth greater effort and then we achieve more. So it becomes this reciprocal relationship between success and efficacy. I see. Yeah, it all makes perfect sense. Okay, so for a school just starting its journey to create a culture of collective teacher efficacy, tell us more about what tips you have for them. Okay, so number one would be that build awareness piece. Make sure that people are aware of the conversations or the narrative that's happening at the school and start to think about if we really truly believed all our kids could achieve, what would, what would that sound like? Um, number two was engage in that joint problem solving. And then I think the third piece of advice I would have is coming back to that notion of attributions. I think one of the most powerful things that a leader can do is make sure that teachers make the link between their efforts and resulting outcomes. And they can do that through feedback. Um, that feedback that focuses and helps teachers make that link between performance outcomes and efforts or their effective use of strategies, that attributional type of feedback is about, about making cause and effect relationships more explicit. Um, so by making teachers make that link between what it is they're doing and the achievement that they're seeing, school leaders um, will be able to work with teachers and help them develop efficacy beliefs that help facilitate 
greater motivation and performance. No, I see. I see. Jenny, it's amazing hearing you talk about this. Clearly, you are a specialist in this field. How did you get into it? Well, I was a classroom teacher uh, for many years, and then I worked at the district level, supporting collaboration in many schools, provincially in, in Canada, where I actually come from, Ontario, Canada. Um, seeing this at work. So when I write about um, topics in education, what I like to do is draw on the research. I think that's really important, but also my own personal experience. And so when I think of this and um, when I've written about it and published some peer review articles as well as some books, um, what I like to do is, is unpack the research in ways that I think it's um, accessible for busy educators, but also bring in my own experiences. And because I've had a lot of experiences working at different levels in the system, I've really been able to think deeply about this topic. And where where does it go next? Where where does your work take you next? I love that question. Right now, I've had a little bit of time carved out in the last couple of weeks. And um, with the holiday coming, I'm going to have some more time. I'm working with a friend and colleague, uh, Glenn Forbes, who is a a school leader in a school in Australia, and we are working on um, the enemies of efficacy and identifying some of the things that get in the way and what we can do to overcome those enemies. So that's my current project. It's been really fun. Oh, well, best of luck uh, for that. I'm sure that that'll go very well indeed. Um, But Jenny, I'm keeping an eye on time. We're going to need to bring this to a close. But if anyone's been listening to this and wants to find out more from you, is there any way they can find you online at all? Absolutely. If you Google me, I know that you'd find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I love to connect with anyone. And uh, I'm happy to provide my email address. Is that something that you'd leave? Of course. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, so it's Jenny, J-E-N-N-I dot Donahue, D-O-N-O-H-O-O, um, at praxis-engage.com. And that's P-R-A-X-I-S-engage.com. Fabulous. Well, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you for clarifying on the spelling of that as well. That, that's very helpful. But in the meantime, Jenny, thank you so much for being here. It's been fabulous talking to you. It really has been. Thank you. Thank you, Simon. That's it for this episode. We hope you can take something from this podcast to support your implementation of the Book of Dreams. Please feel free to share it and contact us if you have any questions or ideas related to it. And don't forget to tune in next time for the next episode. We'll see you then. Bye for now.